0: This is Science Friday. I'm Charles Bergquist.
1: And I'm Flora Lichtman. Charles, I know you're into space stuff. True. Do you have an extraterrestrial bucket list? Like, if you had James Webb Space Telescope eyes and were not constrained by the laws of space and time, is there an outer space place you'd go see?
0: Yeah, you know, I've always been a sucker for the classic spiral galaxies, like M51A, the Whirlpool.
1: I am picturing a giant hot tub in the sky. Is that what it looks like? I mean, it's kind of
0: your classic textbook definition picture of what a galaxy looks like. But it's also this stunningly beautiful spiral of swirling stars up against pitch black space.
1: Ooh, that sounds like a good destination, and I wish we could go see it, your giant space (laughs) jacuzzi, but we can't. But guess what? We might be able to hear it. Do you want to guess what it sounds like
0: so on the one hand i know that in space no one can hear you scream but on the other hand i also somehow imagine all the gas and dust and stuff making kind of a wispy whooshy kind of thing kind of like a
1: (laughs) well what if i told you it could sound something like this That choral music sung by trapped ghosts is Whirlpool Galaxy M51A. Not literally. Like if you blast it off into space, you obviously wouldn't hear this. This sound is made by scientists taking real data and sonifying it, turning that data into sound. My next guests have transformed data from galaxies, black holes, nebulas, supernovas, you name it, into sound. And they put it all together in a new album called Universal Harmonies. Dr. Kimberly Arkand is a visualization scientist at NASA's Chandra X-ray Observatory in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Dr. Matt Russo is an astrophysicist and musician at the University of Toronto. Both of you, welcome to Science Friday. Thanks so much. It's great to be here.
0: Thanks for having us.
1: Kim, why did you start turning space data into dulcet tunes. Where did where did this all begin?
2: Uh, well, for me, I've been working for NASA's Chandler Observatory for about 25 years. And I spent the first few years of my career just figuring out how to process, you know, this invisible kind of light, x-ray light, into something we can see. And then sort of quickly realized after a few years that that's leaving out a segment of the population. Sonification is just this idea of translating information into sound.
1: And this is part of NASA's sonification program? Like, why does NASA want to do this?
2: Yeah, so for the most part, it was because we we're really trying to make sure our data is accessible right there is this idea that when you've got all of this type of invisible light that you're working with whether it's x-ray light or infrared light we don't have to only prioritize the visual we can use other senses to be able to explore it to be able to learn from it to be able to enjoy it and so mm-hmm. sonification in particular. Um, was a technique that I had learned about from a colleague, Dr. Wanda Diaz. She's an astronomer and computer scientist who is blind and uses sonification to be able to understand stars. And so I, I reached out to Matt and his colleague, Andrew, and we started working on a project to take Chandra data and other data sets that we had to translate them into something we could hear and experience in a new way.
1: Matt, you're a musician and an astrophysicist is there a connection between the two?
0: There is. And um, we're not the first to realize this, this is a, an extremely old idea. It goes back over 2000 years to people like Pythagoras. For centuries, it, it seemed almost obvious that there'd be some connection between the the cyclical patterns in the universe and the cyclical patterns in music, and and particular, the harmony of both. Hmm. And it turns out there there is a lot of overlap because... Music and astronomy both have a lot to do with repeating cycles and and listening or, or observing how those cycles interact with each other.
1: I want to understand this better, how these sonifications work. I mean, we know space is a vacuum and sound can't travel through it. So what are we hearing?
0: So there's many different ways to do sonification. In some cases, you can simply take light data that's received. So for example, how bright a star is over time and convert that into a sound wave. But you can also take more artistic approaches and maybe convert the pixels in an image to different musical pitches to communicate that information through sound.
1: So we're hearing maybe a translation of brightness or maybe a translation of actually pixels. Are any of your sonifications actual like sound data that has been pitched into our hearing range?
0: Yes, there's one amazing example. And it's our sonification of the Perseus galaxy cluster. And that was an image taken with x-rays, but the image itself shows ripples. They're actual sound waves traveling through gas in space that are launched by a supermassive black hole. And because the sound waves are visible in the image, we can extract their shape and resynthesize them as a sound. That also involves changing the frequency of those sound waves by about seven or eight musical octaves.
1: That's actually fewer octaves than I would have guessed.
0: Actually, I, I misspoke. It's actually seven or eight actual full piano lengths. <laughs> so 56 or 57 full octaves. Is that closer to your expectation? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't even know. Maybe That's probably still fewer than I would have thought.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's quite a lot. Yeah. F- 57 octaves means you're you're doubling the frequency 57 times. So that's really an exponentially large change in frequency.
1: So let's take a listen to the sonified Perseus cluster. So this is a huge collection of galaxies with a black hole right in its center. Kim, this sounds exactly like what I'd imagine a black hole to sound like. Absolutely terrifying. Um, What are we hearing?
0: We've heard that a lot.
2: (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people have said that. We've heard people saying it sounds like a horror movie soundtrack or it's like something Hans Zimmer would write if he was working on like a tense piece of music. Um, It's I think it really helps strike our imaginations. But this one's really exciting because this is one of my favorite data sets of all time. um, The science result for this came back, came out in 2003. Uh, Some colleagues of mine, Dr. Andy Fabian and some of his colleagues were working on a study of the Perseus cluster of galaxies where this supermassive black hole is just burping out into the hot gas, creating these pressure waves. And they did the math to be able to find out that that was the deepest note in the universe being being created, right? This diva out there singing this incredibly deep song. And so when we started this sonification project, I was very excited to work on this one because it already had a sound, if you will, um, those sound waves in the image that we can hear. And so for this one, being able to actually translate that or re you it know, back up was very, very exciting for me because this, this is a data set I've stared at for a long time. And so to be able to hear it, to actually like hear that that true sound was just super cool.
1: One of my favorite space structures are the Pillars of Creation. It's a classic, obviously. And we got some brand new pictures from James Webb last year of the Pillars. They look like these Giant yellow monsters' fingers that are reaching out through the heavens. Please correct me. I feel like I'm, you know, on 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 the line with people who probably could describe it better.
2: You're definitely on the track. The way I like to think of the pillars of creation, they are tall, skinny columns of gas and dust, and inside those those dusty columns are just beautiful little baby stars forming. Um, what I like so much about this data set, it's you know, it's very iconic. So a lot of people uh, have have seen it, are familiar with it. And it's, it's just beautiful. But, you know, not everybody can access what that image looks like. So being able to take that data and combine it with Chander data where you're seeing slightly older stars around it, that combination of data, taking that and bringing it into something you can hear is really exciting.
1: Well, let's hear some of it. Okay, this is actually, it's kind of creepy for a nursery. (laughs) Yeah.
2: What's interesting about this data set, you know, these tall columns of gas and dust, I think the tallest one's about four light years tall, and a light year is the distance that light travels in a year, so about 10 trillion kilometers to say about 40 trillion kilometers tall. And, you know, when you're looking at that in optical light or infrared light, you're, you're catching those beautiful structures, and all around it are those slightly older stars that are kind of like having these little temper tantrums, if you will, in X-ray light. And so as you're scanning across from left to right, you're capturing those beeps and boops of those little temper tantrum stars. And then you're also very clearly hearing those tall, thin structures. So that was that was sort of the idea with that
1: one. What are, so what are the beeps and boops exactly?
0: When you look at the image created with X-ray light showing all of those uh, intense X-ray bright stars, it's like a spattering of, of paint. There's, there's bright stars all over. And in this sonification, their brightness and their position controls the note you're hearing. So every little beep and boop you hear is a, a star emitting intense X-rays. And the, the pitch of the note tells you where it is in the image. So if it's towards the top of the image, it's a higher pitch. And the volume tells you how bright or extended, that object is.
1: Ah, okay. And so the windy, kind of windy synthesizer sound is actually representing the pillar that I see in the picture.
2: Correct. Yep. It's hard trying to capture that texture, if you will.
1: That's so cool. I mean, can, can we learn anything scientifically by listening to the universe?
2: Oh, absolutely. In astronomy, there's, I think, a couple of really good reasons for sonification for research. One of those reasons would be studying time series data um, or things like variable stars. Variable stars, I think, are a great example because when you have a variable star, it's so there's something changing, right? So you're getting the shape of the the light curve, if you will, um, that's going indi- to indicate different kinds of information, whether it's the relative sizes of the stars, relative surface brightnesses or whatnot. And being able to track that, all those changes by sound can be really helpful.
1: That's so cool. Matt, are there some parts of the universe that are more rock and roll, and other parts that are like more (laughs) elevator music That's great. (laughs)
0: Uh, There are. Uh, The the clearest example is solar systems. And this is also one of the earliest uh, connections between music and astronomy. Um, It's actually pretty straightforward to convert the motion of planets into musical rhythms and notes. And so when you do that, every solar system has its own beat and its own kind of harmony. So some are, are very pleasant and peaceful, and others are uh, a little more tense and, and disjointed. So uh, there's everything out there.
1: What about our solar system? Where do we fall on the on the cheesy to cool spectrum?
0: <laughs> well, that's uh, that kind of depends on your uh, your aesthetics. Um, it's, <laughs> our solar system is it's not very harmonious in a in a classical sense. A fixed repeating beat like some other solar systems. But um, it has its own charm.
1: I'm Flora Lichtman. This is Science Friday from WNYC Studios. I'm talking with scientists who turned space data into sound. You said the movements of planets can be converted to notes um, or rhythms. I'm trying to imagine just what that means exactly. Like our orbit is given a note, our orbit around the sun.
0: Uh, yeah. So when you hear a note with your ears, what you're hearing is sound waves oscillating very, very fast. So it's it's air molecules bouncing back and forth at a certain frequency. And so if you take the motion of the planets, say in our solar system, and you imagine speeding everything up by many millions or billions of times, then each planet has its own frequency. It's doing its cycle at its own rate. And so you can associate that with a, a certain frequency of sound. And you could see if the planets work together or against each other.
1: Matt, what does it mean to you uh, as an astrophysicist to, to hear outer space?
0: Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I do. Um, it's always very exciting when you have a data set and you have some idea for how it's going to turn out. But you never really know until you, you know, design the algorithm, you write the code, and then you press run and you just sit back and listen. To what's in that data. So that's always a a very exciting moment. And as an astrophysicist, but also as a musician, I just also find it very exciting that there are several connections between music and astronomy. There are real sound waves happening in space. They they can't travel to us because there's too much of a vacuum, but there are there is gas in space, there are stars, there are dust clouds with gas, and sound can travel through those objects. So um, I find it interesting from that perspective that it's kind of breaking that common idea that there's literally no sound in space when that's not quite true. It just, sound just has a hard time traveling through there space. There
1: is sound in space. Yeah, where, there wherever is, there's yeah.
0: something for it to travel through.
1: You <laughs> heard it here first. I love that. I love that. Kim, what about what about you? I mean, just on the sort of emotional level, does, does listening to space produce a different feeling than looking over an Excel worksheet?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, so... I think the first time I've heard some of these pieces, again, I know the data really well. I've worked on this stuff for years, and so I know these pixels. And the very first time I heard the Galactic Center, it was one of the very first pieces that Matt and I worked on. And it was so moving to me because it's a very dense and busy data set, there's a lot going on. There's all of these different kinds of light, three different kinds of light. It's sort of a downtown area of our Milky Way. It's like the hustle and bustle, the New York Times Square um, kind of area, right? So there's a lot happening, a lot of energy, a lot of activity. And I can stare at those pixels and I can understand it, but when I hear it, it just makes me think about different segments of the data in a different way. sound itself just has a sort of stickiness to it right music kind of sticks in our head and we process sound and music differently and so i've looked at that image that i created back in like 2009 i think quite differently since hearing it i've i've found things in the data that i never realized before i've seen different you know sections of that image and process it in new ways and i love that i love that Sound can make me think of a data set that I've, you know, known and loved for so long in a new way. I think it's really exciting.
1: Yeah, it probably makes you have a different feeling about it, too, or
2: adds to your Oh, absolutely. It. it adds to it. Absolutely, it does.
1: Kim, part of the goal of this project was to create something that's more accessible for blind and low-vision people. Um, have you heard any feedback from people who have, have used the sonifications? How, is, how have they impacted people?
2: Yeah. So we've been working with people who are either blind or low vision um, on this project pretty much since day one. We've had people saying things like, I I didn't know the universe was so beautiful, or I didn't know the universe could be so engaging. And I, I love that this project is able to bring the data that I get to swim in every day to more people.
1: Well, thank you both. For joining me today.
0: Thanks for having us.
1: Thanks so much. Dr. Kimberly Arkand is a visualization scientist at NASA's Chandra X-ray Observatory based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Dr. Matt Russo is an astrophysicist and musician at the University of Toronto. To listen to Universal Harmonies, go to sciencefriday.com spacesounds.